Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you wanna mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you wanna jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. What's going on? We are prepping you for the beginning of free agency, talking about the Bengals. We're going to talk about the Bengals roster step-by-step, position-by-position as we get ready for free agency. So, John, uh, you know, first off, it's been, I guess, an eventful, also kind of a not eventful uh, few days. <laughs> um any, any thoughts on uh, anything going on recently with the Bengals from the, the lack of use of the franchise tag? Uh, Carl Lawson's recent interview, uh, any any hot takes? Yeah, Lawson's really just the guy everyone's talking about, and rightfully so. There was speculation about you know the Bengals considering using the franchise tag on him, but wisely they did not, and probably for a reason that we'll get to in a minute, but also for the fact that, yeah, it gives them an opportunity to either, you know, sign him long-term and for uh, less of a cap hit in 2021, or if they happen to lose him, an opportunity to uh, pay for a replacement and a competent one is going to probably cost a little bit. So yeah, like Lawson, um, he was talking with Paul Daniel Jr. I think uh, today about like, yeah, I heard nothing about, you know, the Bengals, potentially tagging me you know it didn't really make any sense and he's right didn't make sense for both sides but like that that yeah he's obviously their top priority in terms of of an internal free agent he he like really gets it too yeah he really does (laughs) i don't know like like, how many players like know like the 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 structure of the cap and stuff and how like no you're a little frozen though Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. Well, keep 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 rolling. Keep rolling. I, I couldn't hear you for a second. I hear you now. My bad. <laughs> yeah, like it it was it was refreshing to like hear loss and like know the, the the dynamics of the like the implications of the cap and what that means for like their cap space and what they can do in the off season. So it, like we we haven't really heard a lot from Lawson. I feel like obviously this past year we we haven't heard a lot from players because of the lack of access and stuff like that. But you know, Lawson is just he's just a cool dude, and I, I think he just wants. You know, everyone to know that now that he's going to be in the news in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know, it, was, it was really interesting. He's got a really good perspective on things. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I like it here. I got a lot of people here. You know, if it makes sense for my family, I'll leave, you know. Right. <laughs> like, so uh, it was a really, really interesting uh, interview. And, um, yeah, I think I've had it interesting, too, that like Bengals, Bengals Twitter for <laughs> months, months, at least weeks, has been uh, offense built around Burrow, offense built around Burrow. And then, like, they don't franchise Lawson, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, how bad is it going to be now? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, look, we've been talking about this forever that they, you know, um, you know, I thought I, I found that kind of amusing. It's like, all right, now now we care. Like, uh, they definitely it, now it's you're hearing some whispers too that the D line and pass rush could be a real priority. Right. Uh, there might be a lot going on with that, which which is good. I mean, in, in my opinion, it's the O line and the D line. Um, you know, the O line first, but the, but the D line really needs to be retooled as well. And then, obviously, 
getting another big time receiver would be uh, would be great too. But uh, to me, those are the two, two big things. So, um, all right, so let's let's get into it a little bit here. And I can't see anything, so I don't I don't know if you can bring up the roster. Oh, yeah, or not, but, uh, yeah I, it, it, it's on screen I right now. Have a like, black screen right right now, so whatever we're rolling with it. But um, yeah, so just looking at things, I want to start with special teams because I think it's going to apply to everything else. Um, you know, we're going to see in a lot of different areas that going into free agency. Uh, you know, there's some sarcasm about, oh, great, we signed our long snapper. But, you know, that was that's a good piece to have Clark Harris back. Um, we, we do not have, take Clark Harris slander, especially around these parts. No. Sure. I mean, look at that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's the man. But anyway. Um, so- oh, man, we lost him. Matt's dealing with some, some slight issues right now, but... Um, I'm sure he'll be back, but I think what he was trying to allude to is that, yeah, Clark Harris is back and, you know, Darren Sims is still here. Clark Harris still wants a bag every, every single year. He just wants like, I think that's what he said to Paul Dinger Jr. Like, you know, this is a job that gets me a million dollars a year. Then like, there's no, there's nothing else that's going to give me that. You know, (laughs) he's 36, 36, 37 years old, even with Dan Godsell still here on like a futures deal. Like, you know, Clark Harris is here to stay. And um, it's actually interesting because Kevin Huber is, I believe, scheduled to be a free agent. And, you know, in the next couple of days, they might come together with a deal with him. Um, I would imagine that they would want to keep those two together because, I mean, that's that's a partnership that's lasted 11 years, I think, if I'm counting right. Kevin Huber was drafted in 2009. Clark Harris uh, joined the team, I think, around that time as well. So, I mean, that's a lot of chemistry between two guys. And, and that part of the team, like, um, I think, I don't know if Harris said this or if Simmons said this, but one of them said that, you know, Kevin Huber, he's looked, at, he's looked as a punter, but like he might be the best holder in the league. And obviously there's some bias with that, I guess. But like for as long, for as long as Huber has been here and, and Harris has been here when everyone has said that Clark Harris has never muffed a, a long snap. Like, I don't think Kevin Huber's ever muffed like a hold. On, on on a field goal or an extra point or anything like that. So Kevin Huber is valuable in, in multiple facets. And as long as he's he's still here, I'm sure. He, yeah, like, like, what do you think, Matt? Like, in terms of Clark Harris and the relationship between him and Kevin Huber, like, I mean, that that's something that the team would want to keep, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, having that familiarity, and, you know, assuming that, hoping that maybe they're bringing in a new kicker, um to, to know that you had, you know, the this, this snap and the hold down, um, you know, that, that, that's going to be something that's going to help that guy build some confidence because all of a sudden if you're, if you're training a new new holder, if you have a rookie punter come in, because that's the thing is that punters being holders in the NFL is very common. Punters being holders in the NCAA is less common. Mm-hmm. So, you're not, you know, you're not really necessarily getting a guy that has that experience. So, um yeah, so, so having that aspect of it, especially if you uh, do end up going with a younger guy or a rookie, potentially a, a kicker, um, I think that'll be that'll be important for for their confidence. Um, you know, so definitely getting getting Huber back would be great. You are either bringing Randy Bullock or Siebert back, or looking to make a change of kicker. So, 
you know, whether you want Randy back or not, like th- that's a, that's a factor uh, that, that one of many things that could be changing here. Um, you got Brandon Wilson, you yeah. know, who's your kick returner and he, he took the sixth most snaps on special teams last year. Uh, excellent gunner on the punt team, uh, you know, contributing a lot of different areas, 269 snaps, 58, uh, 58% of snaps. Uh, special team snaps last year. Uh, so that's a big factor. And then as we get into that too, with, uh, you know, your leading, uh, you know, your leaders in snap percentage on special teams, uh, number one last year, Jordan Evans, free agent. Um, number two, Seething Carter, free agent. Number three, Sean Evans, free agent. Um, and, I'm sorry, uh, I just said Sean Evans, uh, Sean Williams. And and Sean Williams, I think, highly unlikely to return, right? Uh, four was Akeem, so he's coming back, obviously. And then uh, five, Samaje, free agent. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that's a lot of snaps, you know, and, and they're playing roles that, that aren't that obvious. Um, and, you know, like they're not – we see Sean Williams uh, here – Running, uh, you know, leaving the leaving the team and rushing on fake punts, but uh, you know, you're like you don't you don't see all these things. But those are those are some major factors. And last year, Lou Anarumo did a good job of going out and replacing uh, Clayton Fedulum, who who had been their number one guy. Um, but I mean, that's a lot, and that's a factor. So this is kind of what this podcast is about, and the reason we're talking about special teams first is. This is a factor to consider, you know, when we're when we're talking about tight end and fullback and safety, you know, uh, and running back, like, you know, those guys that we're not seeing playing on offense and defense can can play pretty large roles as well. Uh, when when you look at the the special teams and the role that they can play in that way, exactly. And like, let's just start with Evans because um, I think there was like some. I don't know. It was some big head in the media said like he could be in line for like a, a large payday. And like, I'm not sure where that's coming from because he barely plays on defense. I think he played like the least amount of defensive snaps this past year than he had in, in his mm-hmm. entire career, which is funny because he had like the most sacks and he had interception with those like 50 something snaps. But if, he, if he's gone, then that, that kind of, uh, you know, it, it kind of shifts where your focus is at linebacker. You're probably expecting Marcus Bailey to play on special teams a lot more. And along with uh, Akeem Davis, Gaither continuing to still play there. But you know, it, if you're thinking about bringing Josh Bynes back, like I don't know how much you're expecting a 32 year old Bynes to contribute on on special teams when you had a prime guy in Evans like that. Like you have Keandre Jones on the roster right now; he just signed a futures contract. I'm sure if, if he somehow makes the team, you can carve out a role for him. But that's probably you know you're looking at a a, a prime candidate for an, a college free agent to kind of fill that role in that last fifth or sixth spot at linebacker, or you're just expecting you know Marcus Bailey to kind of step up. In, in place for that and with with wilson like uh, it, it, it's really it, it's curious to me like what his market if, it, if there is a market for him because he's just a, a career backup at safety but you know he has value at returner how valuable is a a great kickoff returner in this day and age in the nfl right now like i don't know and it's going to be interesting to see what the like the timeline if the Bengals try to bring him back and mm-hmm. and how um aggressive they are in trying to do that and if he's going to get a market out there because i don't know how affected he would be as like a prime player on defense but we know that he is very 
versatile and very effective in the roles that he plays on special teams as a gunner and as a returner. So, like the, like you said, there's a lot of snaps here to, to be to be had and potentially to be lost. And as long as Darren Simmons is still here, I'm sure he would have major input on bringing some of these guys back. Yeah. So, I mean, potentially huge changes here. And obviously, Simmons has done a really good job in the past of replacing some of these guys. Um so, you know, I think I think there will be a plan. I think he's a guy that will that will figure that stuff out. But um yeah, definitely something to consider when you're looking at it. So, you know, you, you mentioned Bailey. So let, let's let's dig into linebacker a little bit. Uh we can we can really start there. Um, you know, linebacker is a position that they're very young. You know, they went out, they got three guys. Bailey, I was just looking, Bailey uh played twenty nine percent of special team snaps last year. He only played in 11 games. Uh, he was a, a healthy scratch quite a bit during the year just because of the overall depth at linebacker. So, I mean, you do the math on that. He played less than 75% of the games, and, you know, you do the math on that, and it's the equivalent equivalent of playing, like, you know, 40 snaps or, or 40% right. or so. So, you know, so he, he was contributing in that area. He was definitely, uh, you know, definitely helping out there, and, uh, a guy you could see stepping up um, in, into that role is yeah you you don't know about Bynes Bynes also uh, free agent um, so a lot of potential changes there and I I think it's interesting because at the top of the roster you know you let Bynes go you let Evans go because he's he's not at the top of the roster but he's he's ahead of Marcus Bailey last year anyway. Um, that's creating opportunities. That's bumping those guys up. Uh, that Logan Wilson definitely steps into a prime role, and you probably see Akeem Davis Gaither playing a pretty substantial role as well. Um, you know, Pratt may still be the starter, but but you know, Davis Gaither could definitely uh, you know step in and play a more prominent role there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, at that point you probably don't want to get younger, you know, are you, are you looking for, uh, for some veterans that, you know, Austin Calitro types to, to come in and just kind of give you a little, little bit more of a veteran presence there. Uh, because yeah, if you let Bynes go, you know, if Pratt and Wilson are your starters, you've got three years of experience between them. Um, I, I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts uh, on that position? And, you know, looking at bringing those guys back. I think Bynes does come back. I think, like Paul Dana Jr. is very adamant that like he believes that he's coming back. Um, he's not going to have a good like a great market. He was a starter. He was a solid one, but he's 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 a year older than he was last year, and he only got a year and one point six million on the open market. So I think we could see something like that. And a lot of the guys we're going to talk about, like like that that we have talked about, like they're not going to command it, you know deals that will greatly impact the salary cap. Like the Bengals can still do a lot of things that they want to do, but keep these these core pieces together that that fill out the the part of the roster that not a lot of people think about, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think you're fine with Wilson, Davis Gaither, and Bailey developing at their own pace, doing the things that they should be comfortable doing at the, the stage of, the, of their career. You're looking for probably a big jump from Jermaine, from Jermaine Pratt in year three as a, as a full-time starter. And if you want to bring back Bynes for this, just because he's obviously familiar with the system and familiar with the guys that he was kind of grooming last year, you know, because he's, so much more experienced and older but like i think that's fine um if you just try him out there as a starter early in the season and then kind of like 
I, I guess kind of like what it was this year, like kind of ease him out and ease some of the younger guys into that role for just one more year. I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, it was interesting how I, I really enjoyed the way that they they used those young linebackers early. You know, with 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 Pratt in year one, they were like giving him ten plays here or there, and you know, they just there wasn't didn't seem like a great plan to really bring him along, but. Uh, with Wilson and Davis Gaither, like they were, they were in on like every third down, basically. Um, so it was interesting, like they gave them a role, tried to carve them out a role. So I think you hope that, especially Wilson, uh, but honestly, I, th- I think Davis Gaither showed, showed some really good potential this year too. So mm-hmm. you kind of hope that those guys will cut a little bit more into into Bynes time, um, even early on. I, I, and I would say, especially Wilson, who who showed some really great promise there. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if they bring Bynes back, you know, really you're looking at replacing Jordan Evans on special teams, and you've kind of got the natural replacement there in in Bailey. So you don't really have a major need at linebacker from a, a starting standpoint or a depth standpoint. Would, would you agree with that? Well, absolutely. I think you're fine with just penciling in Wilson and Pratt and or Bynes if you bring him back, and then you just continue to, to use Davis Gaither to what he's good at right now. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see what his development path is and how they kind of bring him along um i i think i gave i, I don't want to say too, i don't want to say i was too high on him but I, I think i expected um at least last offseason that he was capable of doing more when like like if it was up to me i would have had been doing like a lot more stuff and that probably wasn't the best for him at that moment i think they like you said they handled um his first year very well and they didn't ask him to do too much and they asked him just just to do what he's comfortable with right now i think that was great for him i, I so i don't know how much more that we can expect from him in year two. And that'll be something that we just have to watch as the offseason progresses and as the early season goes on. But I think you're definitely comfortable with Wilson and Pratt as your starters, at least in the beginning of the season, and then kind of grooming, you know, Davis Gaither and Bailey to do a little bit more as the season goes on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably a lot of us were disappointed. We didn't really see them using him more in like a pass rush type setting. Um, right. Yeah, so especially like for how much they needed it. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> like just just out of desperation because there, there's some experience in that area. Um, you know, you would think you'd get a little bit more there. Um, all right. All right. So let's move on down to we we touched on Carl Lawson in the intro. Um, man, the D line. Uh, look at this. Look look at this right now. They have four nose tackles and like three three techniques, and one of them is Geno Atkins. Yeah, and it, 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 it's insane too because you, you got Gino, who I mean, there were when they shut him down for the season, when he shut himself down for the season, uh, you know, which he could have done in September, but chose not to. Um, you know, it, right away it came out that something was going to happen. There was going to be some sort of agreement reached. Um, he hasn't retired. You know, we're we're going into free agency now, and. Um, you know, so they haven't talked about moving in. We haven't really seen anything with that. So, you know, we don't know what that's going to be. Um, there did, I think it was the Zach Taylor interview. Uh, there was some implications like, man, we really like Gino. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, there, I think, I think it was the Zach Taylor. There, there was something I saw recently where, where they were kind of like really talking about how much they liked him. Um, 
So it makes you think, I mean, maybe it's a restructure, but you know, there's definitely some, some money there that could help them out going into this season. And look, they had zero interior pass rush, uh, as much as pass rush was a problem overall. Um, Gina was playing hurt all year, which, you know, is now being confirmed. So that's a, you know, that's a big time factor for them. And, you know, maybe maybe there's more in Gino. You know, maybe we we can we can keep getting it if he if he comes back and he's healthy. Um, obviously, some have been talking about this for a couple of years, but you, you do need to address that position. You need to draft somebody. You need to look to replace him. But I, I don't know. You, you think Gino might be back? This is this is a great time to bring up like last year. Um, Right before round two of the draft started, the Bengals were like reported to be like interested in either Denzel Mims or Ross Blacklock, and everyone's like, "Why are they interested in a defensive tackle round two? They needed a young three technique like four years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. like they're they're so behind." I wanted Jonathan Allen. Oh, yeah, like, how long has that guy been in the league too? Right, <laughs> right. He's going on five years, and he's one of the best interior linemen. I, I'm, yeah. Unfortunately, wasn't that as high on him, and I'm I'm kicking myself for that. But like, they needed a, a young three technique to groom under Atkins a long time ago, and now they kind of have to just handle this on the fly. Like, I think uh, they obviously have nothing but respect for Gino because why not? He's probably a future Hall. Of, he's one. Of, he's a good chance of being a future Hall of Famer. Um, it just seems like he, he costs so much this year. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, be, he's, he's gonna be 33 years old. And he's coming off, he's coming off an injury that's impacted the the entirety of his season. It's like the only the only chance he sticks around is either he takes a pay cut, which is just hard to to see like a guy of Geno's you know influence and stature to kind of to minimize himself into a lesser role, or they extend him and then they just push some money down the road. But again, like he's entering his mid 30s, and so much of his game was based off. The fact that he was just crazy explosive and quick for his size, and like you know, you, you, you just wonder, even if like, even if like the previous level was so high because he was so elite, like how much of a drop off is there going to be going forward? And I think they obviously have the utmost respect for him, but I think they realize that if they have a chance to get an upgrade, then uh, unfortunately he's just one of the one of those guys that they're going to have to cut weight. Like I think if money wasn't a factor, they would still want to keep him around because he just seems like the guy that that wouldn't mind taking maybe a lesser role, I, mm-hmm. I guess. But I don't I don't know, man. It just seems like it seems like they they will be determined to find some type of a younger upgrade. It, it does say a lot about him that he played this year. He didn't have to. He had he had a very good reason to opt out. He had a, he had two very good reasons to opt right. out. And he chose not to do it. Then he was hurt, and he knew he couldn't be himself, but he wanted to play, you know. And I mean, I, I think it says a lot about how he cares about the team, you know, like because like, you don't do that for you, right? You know, I, I think if Gino was cut tomorrow, um, with the season he had last year, compared to if he was cut tomorrow, and he just didn't play all year because he had been. You know, it, it, like he, he was actually on IR all year. Um, he's making more money if he's coming off IR than than based on what we saw in film. I think. Uh, so I like I don't I don't think there was any personal positive for him playing um, in, in th- this year, especially when he when he, he could have gone on IR. They made him they made him sign a waiver to play. 
Yeah. Right. You know? So he could have, it's not like COVID, you know, it's not like the, the, the opt out where he was taking a pay cut. He could have had his, his, his full check. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That, that says a lot about the guy, but I, I, I guess we better not get, uh, show, uh, you know, kind of drain down on one person, you know, in that spot, they've got, uh, obviously reader coming back also coming off injury. Unfortunately, uh, they've got Covington and Daniels who are both, New guys last year and uh, free agents. So uh, Xavier Williams, you know, same same scenario. You know, these are guys that I think played uh, nice little roles when they came in, but it's like you know they don't have all the pieces. You know, so so where are they finding those guys? Uh, you got Renell Rain coming back off injury too. You've got Josh Tupo coming back off of uh, opting out for the season. So, I, I don't know, like, where does that defensive tackle group shake out? Um, and, and then you look at the ends, and you've got, you've got Hubbard out there. Uh, you've got Carl Lawson is a free agent. You've got uh, Khalid Kareem, who played a somewhat substantial role this year, didn't show much in terms of pass rush, though, which has obviously been the big issue for the team. So... You know, we talked about it in the intro. I, I, I really seems like the D line needs to be a lot more of a priority than than we're acting like it needs to be. A hundred percent, because like right now they have a, they have a, a handful of like quality like run stoppers, but they have no one who can consistently win as a pass rusher under contract. And I guess the only one is Geno Atkins, and we just talked ad nauseum about him. So like it it, it kind of makes me feel for the Covingtons and the Williams because I think there's just solid role players, but. When you already have Tupo and Wren and McKenzie on their contract, it's like you know they're just the definition of expendable, unfortunately. And they're not going to have uh, a you know vast market, so they could always be available to come back for cheap. But it just seems like they they might just be considered afterthoughts. But uh, going on that point about how they addressed in free agency, this is this is a good point to bring up because like with how saturated the offensive guard market is getting right now, and like there's there's tackles that are entering the market as well, like. The, the price for quality offensive linemen is only just trickling down the more the guys get available, but defensive line, like that, that those, will, those prices will still be premium. And like, like the, those guys' value are, are still high. And if we are working under the assumption that the Bengals are not only going to attack offensive line, but defensive line for agency, I think, I think you're right. Like potentially like the higher price guys, or maybe the one or two big additions in terms of price that they make, it might be a pass rusher. It might be an end. It might be a, like a, a three technique because right now, like they have as little answers there as they do at right guard and right tackle. And if they can find cheap answers, still quality players at offense line, but not the, the in the Joe Tooney price range, then they have more capital to address an equally big need on the other side of the ball. It, yeah. Cause like, like everything we talk about, everything we do, there's tears and, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some Bengals are cheap. Mike Brown's cheap to have comments uh, in the, you know, in the chat here, but yeah, you could, you can get a guy on a budget without really low bowling it. Uh, and, and especially this year, cause there's so many people out there. I mean, I, look, I know there are some injury issues and potential retirements and stuff, but <laughs> the chiefs just got both of their tackles <laughs> and they're letting the center go reader. I think <laughs> like, what is going like, like that's insane. Um, I also think it's a great reason why they didn't use the franchise tag because I, I feel like, like people aren't getting the money we think they're going to get. You know, that, yeah. that, that, that's my feeling is 
things are just going to come in quite a bit lower. There might be a lot of one-year deals because players realize that, and they're like, well, you know, we'll try it out next year. But, um, you know, Carl Lawson, I, I don't see Carl Lawson getting $18 million on the, on the open market right now. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what becomes of it. But, yeah, they, they definitely need to, to address uh, those areas. Um, it's a pretty solid draft class, you know, for the – O-line and the D-line, I think. I don't think there's not there's not defensive linemen that I would take at five. No. Um, you know, even if if Penne and Chase and you know, if the top three picks were Penne, Chase, and and Pitts, um, you know, this I'm still not really looking at defensive play. I'm probably trading. But um you know, like uh, there's not really anybody in that in that type of realm, but I think there's a lot of good pass rushers. I think there's some guys that you can find in the in the second round, maybe maybe in the third round that can contribute. Uh, and and on the interior too, I think there's a lot of really high upside diva to tackles who can rush the passer. Um, and we're gonna see how good the Bengals are doing doing homework and stuff and finding some of those guys because. Um, because I, I think there there could be a guy that's a, a potential steal uh, in in that type of group. Uh, so yeah, any other any other thoughts on on, on the defensive line? Well, when you um, when you throw in the draft aspect too, you have, you have to if you're just using like both ways to construct the roster, like you have to work off of which which position groups are strong in the draft and which are strong stronger in free agency like you mentioned like there's no defensive lineman that's worth really a top 10 pick this year and really with defensive tackles like i think daniel jeremiah said the best like there's there might not be one that gets drafted in the first round like barrymore of alabama might be the only one and so it's just very questionable class with that position group and you have an edge class it's very deep i guess in day two even though it might not be exactly top heavy but there is there are guards galore right and just like there is on the open market there are plenty of guards that'll be taken in rounds two or three that could potentially start immediately and i think the same goes with tackles as well so if the Bengals are looking at like okay we need we need a pass rushing defensive tackle and we might not be able to find a good one in the draft we might go ahead and, and spend some of that money in free agency at that position and then attack where the draft is deep at edge rusher and guard and take care of the tackle too so you have to just recognize i guess where you know is it free agency is the draft which which area is is the strongest for these types of positions because they're definitely gonna be the ones that are get, getting an influx of bodies I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a bold take here. I think I think ten tackles go in the top fifty picks. Yeah, that sounds like accurate. The, actually, like there's like there's ten guys that are like there's ten guys that I could see going in round one. Like I don't think ten guys will go in round one, but there's ten guys that I could see going in round one. Like the Bengals, even in, in round two. Like I don't know if you're in a you know necessarily a great place to take a tackle because there could be so many gone. Um, we keep Alex Leatherwood consistently being mocked in round two. Like, there's no way that guy's going around two. That guy's going around one. Right. Like, there, there, there's some good players there. So, uh, I think that is a natural transition then too, because, uh, and, and I'll and I'll mention this on on the draft. A lot of people and you know, in Bengals Twitter, like we're talking about how to improve this team, and I see a lot of people talking about, hey, get a tackle, and you know, and still draft Pennant, but you know you're going to spend a bunch of money on Trent Williams and then you're going to go and you're going to draft Penny Sewell at five. Like to me, it's just a poor use because you've already got Jonah. Like Jonah's good. Yeah. Um, 
like he has to stay healthy. Obviously, he needs to come along. But now you got a new coach, you know, and that that that's a guy that you drafted really high. And like, look, I don't want to be the the guy that says this player is good because remember that one play he made. But <laughs> remember that that blitz he picked up against the Browns yeah. in Week Two. Like, holy shit, that was like that was a dude play. Like, who makes that play? Like, who makes that block? Like, the guy is the guy's good. He's a so, natu- that's the block of a natural left tackle right there. Yes, exactly. Like, he is. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's just like, you know what? Like, I I, I don't know. Like, it, if you want to spend money on Joe, Joe Tooney and, and do that, good. But it, if we're talking about spending a bunch of resources, because that's what it comes down to. Like, you've got, you know, maybe three big contracts you can do and then some medium contracts. And then your fifth pick is the, is essentially a big contract, you know, and that it's, you can get a major guy at pick five mm-hmm. and then second and third round picks are kind of more of those medium tier, uh, you know, type contracts where you're hoping for a little bit more, but you're, you know, you're not necessarily getting as much. Why would you spend two of those on tackle when your best offensive lineman is a tackle? Like I, I don't know. Like I, it just seems like a poor, uh, poor usage. Like just use a guard. Just you know, sign sign Thune, You know, even if you don't believe in paying guards, like you're pay, you're essentially paying your guard a lot of money if you move Jonah Williams to guard. So, uh, so, so anyway, that, that that does bring us to the offensive line, and I love the way you broke this down on the offensive line uh, accurately. That they don't have anybody that plays on the right side. <laughs> like that's. That's the thing that we're not saying about Kevin Zeitler that I probably is my favorite thing about Kevin Zeitler is that he actually plays right guard. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, look, Jonah's the guy, like, in this group. Jonah's the best of this group. But, like, I, I don't know how we could say anything else. Trey is also good. And then there's a lot of question marks, right? Question marks is, like, put in nicely. Because like like the like like the, the cleanest question mark is Xavier Suafilo, who we knew last year was a left guard, but they pigeonholed him at right guard. He got injured because he's Xavier Suafilo, and then he finished the year at left guard because that's where he belongs. Um, so yeah, that's how it happened. And like I'm I'm sure they want to give Michael Jordan another another year to just like see what they can do with him. He's still 23. That's the good thing about guys who are drafted 21. They're sometimes the same age as some rookies in year three. Um, <laughs> Fred, Hakeem, we've talked a lot about them. Um, I guess you can put Fred like at either left or right. I just put him at left because I think he has more experience at left. Uh, mm-hmm. Hakeem, they specifically put, placed him at left tackle. They did not move him around at all. And I don't even know. Like, I, I think Isaiah Prince was the left tackle in Miami or at Ohio State. I just don't quite remember mm-hmm. it. But yeah, so he, he opted out as well. So yeah, there's, there, there, I mean, there's nothing here. Like aside from Jonah and Trey, and Trey might not be back until like October. We have no idea about that. Um, like, uh, you did you did bring up like when Frank Pollock was hired, and like Billy Price is a little bit better than what we remember him in 2018. Like he did yeah. some te- did some technical things that we just haven't seen from him yet. And I don't know how much that has to do with the fact that he was asked to play guard. I thought he would be better at, or, or just okay at guard because I, I I thought that was where he was best at Ohio State. And he ended up being worse at guard compared to center, which is saying something. So, I mean, I, I hope that Pollock gets something out of him if if they have to play him for Hopkins, who's coming back. But 
like prices is kind of an expensive piece for someone who just isn't really doing a lot right now. So Zach Taylor gets accused of, of coach speak a lot. And, you know, there's some comments about the interview saying that he didn't say anything in it, the recent interview, um, which I kind of laugh at and cause like, yeah, I wouldn't say anything either, but um, <laughs> like, 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 you know, uh, giving the media sound bites isn't what your job is. Your job is to win football games. He's, he hasn't done that, but you know, <laughs> but, but, he, uh, but you know, it's not helping to give them sound bites either. So um, on that note though, Billy Price, John Ross, uh, both embattled players with the Bengals, uh, you know, first round draft picks who've had their struggles. John Ross he kind of like defended when he was, ah, well, you know, he's worked on some things like when they, when they weren't, when they didn't have him active. Um, but like he, he was pretty adamant, like about, about Billy, like, man, Billy's the kind of guy we run around. Like, yeah. like he's all in. And I, I feel like, like it's, it, it's hard to like see these things, but like, I feel like he's a guy that like, he, when he wasn't playing, like you'd see him on the sidelines, just get like, yes. getting jacked up and like yeah. excited for people. So, I, I I don't know. You see that? I think he's got a lot of he's got a lot of positive things in his character. I think, um, and you know, from what we know about Jim Turner, some people just don't respond to that kind of guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like maybe we we could get a lot more out of Billy this year. You know, maybe, maybe this could be the year that, that, that Billy takes a step forward and um, not saying that, you know, you're going to say, yeah, that's a first round center right there. But, you know, like, but, but maybe we can get a, a, a lot more uh, out of him. Maybe he can, be, you know, become a, a, a solid player. And I mean, yeah, he might might need it with the with the trade situation. Um, so, yeah, with with Frank Pollock coming in, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It'll also be interesting to see. I think you, if you look at his past of drafts, he's a little bit all over the place uh, with with arm length. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals got a, have a couple guys and Jonah Williams and Hakeem who are considered guards by a lot of people uh, because they're slightly short arms. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's a factor, if, if that's something that Pollock cares about because I don't think Jim Turner did or – Maybe Duke Tobin. I don't. I, you know, like it's it's hard to say exactly who would make that decision. But um, I, I, so I will say this, I will say this about that. I will say this about that. Um, I remember back in 2015, um, which is the first year that Pollock took over for Bill Callahan as the Cowboys' offensive line coach. Um, I, I I heard that the Bengals didn't view Lyle Collins as a tackle. He was like six four through a five coming out of LSU, like thirty three inch arms, which is basically the same thing as Rashawn Slater. But obviously, the Cowboys. And, that whole that, that whole situation with Lyle in, in that draft was was wild too because he was like falsely accused of something. That was a weird match thing, right? No, that was Laramie Tunsil. I think oh, it, was okay. Lyle, it, was like, it was like murder or something or something crazy. But oh, like geez. he like fell like all the way out of the draft. The Cowboys signed him, gave him like a, a big signing bonus because they knew he was innocent. Signed him as an oh, undrafted. Okay, it was with his girlfriend or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Oh, yeah, I remember and, that now. And, and then, and, I mean, they developed him a tackle, and that was under that was under Pollock as well. But and then Pollock was the guy that drafted or. Loved Mackay Becton. He developed him like as a as a great rookie. So I I I think you're right. He's kind of all over the place in what he likes in terms of measurables. But 
Um, there is at least one example of a guy who was a good tackle in college, but maybe projected size-wise a guard, but ended up being a good tackle in the pros. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that would be interesting to see how that goes and and what they think. I mean, you know, it, obviously Penny is the guy that we're we're targeting, we're thinking about right now. And no telling if if he's there at five for sure or not. Um. So yeah, looking at this group, you know, the guys that aren't there, uh, that that are free agents. Uh, Quentin Spain was a left guard as well uh, mm-hmm. by trade, <laughs> you know, I believe, and uh, and Alex Redmond, of course. Um. Who, you know, you, you just can't seem to keep down. Uh, <laughs> he, he keeps coming back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from what we're looking at there, like you're looking at right tackle, possibly moving on from Bobby Hart to save some money. Although we think some of these moves would probably be happening right now uh, that, that we talk about for saving money that we've presumed for saving money. Uh, since a lot of other teams are doing that stuff right now, and and then we're looking at you know potentially both guard spots. Uh, so you make a good point. I mean, you know, you, you, you get a a guard, maybe not even a Joe Thune, but you get a, a good guard, a good solid starter in free agency. You draft a Penny, and then you know, do you, do you draft a? She's lost his name. This, you know, the center from from Bama in, in round Take two, it. or you know what I mean? Like, like, like you, you, you make a good point. There's some good, there's some good options there. Um, yeah, I, know, I mean, I, w- w- what do you think they need to do to address this position? Do you, is it three new starters? I think ideally it's three. Like my my whole thing is that, and I think you you talked about this on Twitter before. Like it, it kind of sucks in this way that the draft comes after free agency. This is just a situation where you'd love if it was kind of flipped because I don't know how you can go in. I don't know how you can exit free agency without uh, getting someone who can at least play tackle, and then you're just pigeonholing yourself into yeah. taking one of Sewell or Slater at five. Like th- that's why like a guy like uh, Matt Matt Filer or Feeler from Pittsburgh. Or Darrell Williams comes to mind as guys. I think, I mean, like Filer played guard for Pittsburgh last year, but he was probably better at tackle at right tackle. So he at least has you, you can pencil him in at, at either position. And I think Darrell Williams um, has played most of his time, or if not all of his time, at right tackle. But he could also project into guard if you need him to. So just just getting a guy that can play at multiple spots for you know a reasonable deal can give you flexibility to not be forced to take a Sewell, but mm. like that, that would be an example of even if you sign a guy who can play tackle, you you would still take Sewell because you just like him that much, you know, for the, for the long term of the future, and it just helps you out immediately. Yeah, that's a good point, you know, and, and yeah, I, I you just don't want to spend $20 million on that guy and then tell him to play guard, you know, <laughs> or, or, or say, you know, hey, we're going to move our first-round pick from two years ago who – is is a ridiculous athlete and has been our be- was our best lineman last year. We're gonna make him play a different position. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And then, um, this, like uh, Zach Banner from Pittsburgh is kind of an interesting one in the Ooh. in the same sort of realm. I mean, uh, you, you, no, not a fan. I I just haven't really we, we, like he hasn't really been talked about because like I'm like I, how much did he start last year? Did he start the entire year. Um. I believe he started a few games, and I think he got hurt. Me, his name I haven't really heard a lot about. Um, yeah, now I'm I'm, I'm looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> He's from a USC guy, right? 
That sounds right. I don't know. I, I don't know. He, he was just a guy like it, it seemed like he was doing some good things for a while there, and then he kind of slipped off. He, like they, I believe he was playing guard, and they like he won the right tackle job, and I think he got mm-hmm. hurt. Oh, it says he only played one one game this year. I mean, I think last year because he. Uh, oh no, he only won, he only started one game last year too. Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm projecting the crap out of this guy apparently. <laughs> Uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is that a Bobby a, Hart deal? It, yeah, I was gonna say, is that a Bobby Hart move? Is, <laughs> what, what, what is it at that point? I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, is that why they're not cutting Bobby Hart? Is Bobby Hart their guy? Like, it, are they just gonna hold off on that? <laughs> on that again for you? Be like, eh, we'll figure it out with him. Um, yeah, because like, like, because they cut BJ Finney with like no regard. Like, they just axed him because they didn't bother to play him last year after trading for him. But they're they're holding on to Gino and and Bobby until they feel like they don't have to, I guess. And, I, and that, that's that's fine, but yeah. it still makes sense as to why they are projected to be cap casualties because you, you have to figure they're looking for upgrades to those spots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's the old line. I mean, I mean, yeah, so we, we hit on it. We, we cover it there. I mean, those are the two big things. Right. Um, I, I think offensively, you know, you look at quarterback and – they re-signed Brandon Allen. Like, they're not signing a veteran, right? Yeah, no, they're fine. So it's it's Brandon Allen, and Joe Burrow's gonna start Week One because he's Joe Burrow. <laughs> so I'm not really that concerned about it. So I mean, that, that, that's pretty much what it is. And and Taylor alluded to it, and I wouldn't be shocked if they drafted a guy like super late because they were like because they you know thought he could be what. You know, maybe maybe they think that guy's the future backup, and you know they're not sold on on Finney or or Finley, or they think they can develop him and trade him or something. But yeah, I think that's pretty pretty much good, and I don't think we're going to see any free agency. You know, running back, they got Mixon coming back, they got Geo. Um, Samaje is the big factor here, and and largely because of special teams. But I think Samaje actually. He was very impressive to me when when he came in and was, was playing. Incredibly impressive. In, in his pass protection too, I didn't know that about him. Like his, he was really good in pass protection, so he's a he's a very good all around running back to me. I mean, he was probably the one doing that in Oklahoma with Mixon because Mixon would have like question marks with that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point. That makes that makes sense. Um, you know, you got Travion there competing as well. I mean, I you know, uh, you know the the uh, I want to say XFL. But the <laughs> uh, Patrick, you know, you got you get in there. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see them making a making any kind of real real splash there either. And, and hopefully, I think Samaje would be a good one to bring back mm-hmm. because he gives you that third guy and that special teams guy. And, and look, as we talk about special teams, like I I was asked this once on on Twitter about well, how many teams keep a guy around, you know, for special teams. I think a fair amount do, you know, and, and, and I live in Rhode Island. So I follow the oh, Patriots yeah. quite a bit because I live in Rhode Island. Like Brandon Bolden has been a running back for the Patriots for years. And he plays special teams. And then like, it, it's funny too. Cause he, like, he could tell like his teammates love him because there'd be like, like preseason games where they'll just like, just let him play running back. And like, everybody's just like jazzed up for him to play running back. <laughs> uh, you know, like, so, you know, everybody loves him, but, you know, and obviously they've they've got Slater at receiver, yeah. who's the man, never plays receiver. They've got Nate Ebner, who is um safety. 
yeah, he's a reserve safety for them. Like he kind of plays a little bit of situationally, but he's basically a special teams guy. Uh, by the way, Nate Ebner, um, Ohio State rugby player. Wow, <laughs> Nate Ebner. Uh, that's such a Belichick thing that he that he found a rugby player, but uh, you know, so like teams do it, you know, and, and like keeping Samaje around, it's not like it's going to cost a lot. Like just because you like what he does on special teams, like that's a that's a good move. Um, even even though you, I like I can't think of a play of him playing special teams like specifically. Like things don't stand out, you know. But if he's contributing in a big way, uh, you know. Bringing back that third running back can be a big deal for that. So people got people got to remember though, like they only have fifty two players on the roster right now. They're only going to sign like a handful of like free agents. They're going to draft seven or eight guys, and they're going to sign like ten or twelve undrafted guys. Like they they still need to bring back guys to fill out the ninety. Like P Ryan's going to yes. cost you a million. It, it, it's fine if you have five running backs throughout the offseason. Like there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. No, yeah, nothing wrong at all. And, and and like I said, we we we've seen his versatility, and you know, Mixon goes down, Geo, whoever it is, like he can fill in for for whatever role. And um, and I think they are required to have at least two Oklahoma running backs at all times, so mm-hmm. he, he keeps them at the quota. Um, so he's Rodney Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk receiver. So that's the other big area that we talk about here. Um, and you're not a lot of guys under contract in this area. You've obviously got two really good ones. Uh, you got Boyd in the slot and you've got, uh, last year's second round pick T Higgins, um, who, you know, showed some really great promise last year for you. Um, and, and, and started to really develop a connection with Burrow. Uh, you got Tate fan favorite Tate. Uh, you've got, Stanley Morgan, who I love as a special teams guy, and and you know I've I've been adamant about uh, him, him in coverage. Um, Trent Irwin's a guy that I I I predicted that he I, I called him as a a sleeper to make the active roster because he's a really good blocker at receiver. <laughs> the, the Bengals love guys that can block, but so it did, doesn't surprise me he stuck around to the practice squad all year. Uh, but yeah, I mean you know AJ. AJ not coming back. Uh, you know who's going to be that third guy? We, we've talked about going out and getting a, a speed guy in free agency uh, as a mid tier free agency guy. Obviously, a lot of talk about reuniting Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase uh, with that first round pick. I think he's going to Miami at three. That's that's just my opinion. Um, not a lot of talk. Like we don't hear anybody being like. You know, let's let's go get Chris Godwin. You know what I mean? Like, like, like they got you know, tagged. I, oh, did he get tagged too? Yeah, I didn't really because uh, oh, oh, Galladay didn't though, right? Galladay is is in the market. So you know, like we don't hear really hear like, hey, go spend money on Galladay. Um, and Robinson got tagged, right? Mm. Yeah. So I, it, it kind of interests me that people are like all gung ho on Chase, but there's I, I haven't heard anybody say, hey, let's go spend money on Galladay or you know, one of the other guys before they, they got tagged. Um, you know, just more talk about, like, like just getting a, a mid-level speed guy like a Curtis Samuel or Josh Reynolds. Uh, yeah, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on this area? I think people are so adamant about Chase and not about a free agent receiver because they, they just want to spend on the O-line and they just see Chase as the guy that Burrow played with. Like, 
and you know he might be available at, with that pick, and it just like kind of fits all perfectly. Like I, I think Blake Jewell said this really good. Like like people shouldn't want Jamar Chase just because he played with Joe Burrow. That like that makes it an easy evaluation because all the tape that you have on him is with the quarterback that they have. But you want Jamar Chase because he fits perfectly with like with, with this offense and what they need. Mm-hmm. Like you and. Galladay is a great example. Like he would fit perfectly in this offense as a guy who's fin- phenomenal with contested catches and third down conversions. Like if you replaced him with AJ Green last year, the offense is just mild. Oh, yeah. it, it, like even if Galladay is not a, a burner, a guy who can take the top off and stack on cornerbacks, he just brings an element that 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 they need. Like and Auden Tate, you know, as as good as he is in a niche role, like it, you can survive with him as your third receiver, but it's just so much difficult. Like like it, people don't remember, I guess, when Prime AJ and Prime Chad were out there, and it, everything was just so easy. The separation was there, and, and the offense was in so much more of a rhythm, and it wasn't so hard with, with all these contested um, catches c- coming down because guys can't really separate. So, like, that's why it was important for AJ to kind of come back or to John Ross to ascend to a, a higher role because without both those guys being who they were, the offense just it, it was so much more difficult to move the ball down the field if you know defenses were accounting for Higgins and Boyd. So they need that dynamic playmaker or they need someone like Galladay who could just be dominant at the catch point but still have more athleticism than Tate. Yeah, I I was a big Galladay guy coming up. But like when they were talking franchise with him and the money they are talking, like I don't even think it's worth it. But um, but yeah, like like that's interesting Like that we're not really we're getting into that. I think the, the whole thing with the connection between Burrow and Chase, like it's great in September, but you know, like you you put a lot of you put a large investment into a receiver. Burrow's going to learn to play with him pretty quickly. You exactly. know what I mean? So I, I I don't know how much uh, value that really has, but yeah, he does fit perfectly. Um, he's one of two guys who I think really fit. Uh, you know, uh, with the Bengals, and the other one plays tight end. Uh, and that's you know, Kyle Pitts. Like, like both those guys, like just excellent contested catch guys would give them a, a different type of uh, dimension. I, I don't know. I, to me, Chase is a speed gig, speed guy. Like, like they, people say he's not that fat. Like he plays fast. Yeah. Like, and he, and he can stretch the, the field pretty well. So, I mean, I think he gives you a pretty good element there. Um, you know, we talk about speed. We mentioned a couple guys, you know, John, Brown available now, not really a guy that uh, is getting a lot of talk um, in, from in Bengal circles. Uh, Will Fuller's out there too, right? And yeah, Will Fuller is basically John Ross. Like, like it's, it's the same mold. Uh, you know, Fuller also has some some injuries, but not quite as you know quite as serious, quite as nagging. But he's obviously had a lot. Um, you know, a lot higher highs in the NFL uh, than Ross has. So I, I don't know. There's some interesting names out there. I, I think, you know, you, you get a Josh Reynolds, you, you know, you don't spend a ton of money on a guy that, you know, because you, you need to get get some guys. You're, you're lacking some depth right. there anyway. So you need to need to attack it. But, um, you know, that is like you talked about a tackle a position where you can get some guys and still leave yourself open to spending heavily on it in the draft. I think there are some interesting guys late in the draft too, um, who could be, who could be a fit. There's definitely some nice, nice speed guys. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the kid from Oklahoma, I think is a, is a pretty good contested te- catch cover guy. I think could, uh, Oklahoma state, excuse me. Um, oh, yeah. Wallace. You know, 
I think he could fit uh, with what they're trying to do offensively as well. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, you, you think this is definitely an area where they need to do something in free agency, though, right? A hundred percent. They can't. They can't enter the draft with Auden Tate being like their third guy. Like, and you just look at just look at the guys that are available. Like, it's 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 filled. If you think the guards spot is saturated now like look at the wide receiver part like that's that's why like you know Galladay would be great but it's a question it's a question of value are you willing to pay top dollar for a guy when you can get still a quality player for a lot cheaper because there's just so many other dudes out there like Keelan Cole is a great example from from Jacksonville mm-hmm. Mark Jones is out there Sammy Watkins you mentioned John Brown um T.Y. Hilton is quietly available even though he's 32 um <laughs> Cody Core is back on the market uh Curtis Samuel you, you mentioned before <laughs> Um, yeah, Juju Smith out there, but he's not coming here, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's just so many. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he, uh, he, he can uh, he can be a roommate with Von Bell. Yeah, it'd be great to take home <laughs> opportunity right there. Uh, yeah, and Reynolds was mentioned just because he has history with with Taylor and, and whatnot. So like the, the the list goes on, and like these guys are not going to sign like crippling contracts for any team that's in salary cap hell so uh, it would be shocking if the Bengals didn't sign like one, one guy in that second or third or third wave at this position because like you said like they're losing green snaps they're losing an opportunity for ross and they just have no they have negative explosion on their team and as 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 well developed that t higgins was as, as a rookie like you still need a little bit more yeah um and you know, it'd be interesting to see too how that, how that breaks down. Somebody asked me on on Twitter recently about how long will it take Penny to to get to where he can be, and you know, like the value basically of, of taking a veteran offensive lineman compared to um, uh, compared to drafting one. You know, I think in, you know when you talk about rookies versus veterans i think you get the same sort of thing with the re- at the receiver position that some of these guys it, receiver can be pretty tough to draft and some of these guys don't come along very well um you know you look at john ross is the third receiver taken in that draft you know mm-hmm. and and davis and mike williams both took some time they're both they're both pretty good now uh but they both took some time to to get to where they were, were in that draft and like there were times where it was like oof like the Man, that was that draft class is a bust, uh, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it definitely can be a little bit difficult for for those guys to to transition um, in into the league. So, like, definitely some getting getting some veteran receivers. That, I think that has some value to kind of bolster Burrow as well, uh, having that that element, you know, and, and those guys that understand that aspect of it in the offense. Right, and this is this is an example of you kind of wish the Bengals had like a lot of mid round picks because I mean that's just that's like the sweet spot I guess for receivers and like this class mm-hmm. like I think um, Diami Brown comes to mind as like a Jamar Chase mm-hmm. light a guy who's just young and and had a lot of deep ball production like that that's definitely something that they're gonna like that's something that I think Tobin and Taylor both emphasize or, or Burrow excuse me like that's got to be an improvement and it's not it's not all on. Uh, like Joe Burrow, like improving his accuracy or the protection. It's about re- receivers get, getting separation and, and fighting for it down down there. So get, get guys who have experience doing that, and it just kind of opens up your offense a lot. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of 
I mean, both those guys from, from North Carolina uh, are pretty good with uh, with Newsom. Is some people think he's a little bit more slack guy because he's a little shorter, but you know, you get some speed in in, in that guy. Um, you know, the guy I was alluding to earlier from Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. I think he's he's a pretty good jump ball guy. Um, and you know, if you want a speed guy, uh, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn can flip and fly. You oh, know, right. and, and it. that's a me. You know, that's a mid round guy too. So it's really like. It's really interesting because I feel like there's, it's like the Royal Sampler. You know what I mean? Like, uh, that's a really obscure Simpsons reference. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like, like it's not like, oh, well, you, know, you can find a lot of receivers, but they're all kind of the same guy. Like, you can find whatever type of receiver you're looking for, and you can probably find, you can definitely find him in round three. You can probably find him in round four. Like there's there's a good number of guys out there um, in in this draft, so definitely be interesting to see how that breaks down. Uh, so that gets us to the tight end position. That'll be the last one. We'll round out the offense and we'll we'll head back over to to DBs to wrap this thing up. But uh, tight end, look, tight end is not a need. However. That does mean does not mean you don't consider Kyle Pitts. <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, so I, I just want to be clear on that. But I, you know, like I think, like Uzama and Sample give you a nice little one-two punch. I, you know, I I think you're fine with that. If you can find a guy who's going to be the guy, um, you do it. But um, yeah, I, I think you get some pretty good things out of them. Sample had some nice flashes, and then some really disappointing moments. You're like, ugh. It's just like place where you're like, ooh, he does not move that well, or ooh, he should have caught that. Um, but then he also like he did some really good things. He he developed into a pretty solid blocker this year, uh, and he also had some some decent catches here and there. Uh, you know, Seathen Carter, we mentioned, free agent. Uh, his hands have have been an issue for him in the past. You know, he had a couple of nice plays when you know he was playing a little bit more with uh, with CJ uh, CJ Hurt. Um, this year, you know, I, I think, yeah. So I think I think they're fine. But, you, but yeah, if you can find pits, and all of a sudden your your offense has a new dimension, you 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 freaking do it. Um, yeah. What are your What are your thoughts on this group? Like, first starting with pits. Like, not only is this the whole like you draft just for long term fixes, and you don't pass up elite talents if he's the best guy available. Like that's one reason to take Kyle Pitts, but also like people are so hesitant. I think about tight ends is because they typically don't like really shine until, you know, either late in their rookie contracts or when they're already veterans, like CG zone is a great example of that. He's finally hitting his stride and he's like 28, 29 years old. So like, that's like the hesitation with Kyle Pitts. Like, you know, from the, the get go, he's going to be productive. Like he's just, he's just that special. And, the, and there's no, there's no logical reason why you look at this group right in front of you and say, yeah, that, that, like they couldn't use him. So, like, yeah, they are 100% fine. I don't think he's almost getting cut. I think that was a, a weird narrative to start in the first place. I think Sample is okay for what you want as number two. And I, I would expect Seathan Carter to come back and just kind of round out the group. And if that if that's it, then that's it. I think there's definitely some chemistry brewing between Uzoma and Sample and Burrow. I think, like, the, the, all those guys are really close. Like, Sample and Burrow are working out together Um like in, in I think a blue ass gym, I forget the name of it. And, and obviously Uzoma and Burrow kind of rehab together. And I, there was a connection kind of forming before Uzoma went down. So I think they like that, that starting duo. And they obviously 
like what Suthan Carter brings to special teams. So it's like it's just not a lot to say because it's just solid. But if you have the chance to take Kyle Pitts, then he's clearly the best guy available. If if the draft happens like that, then like there's the, the logic to not take him does not outweigh the logic to take him. Yeah, and, and I I meant what I said before, like I think he's the second best receiver for the Bengals in this draft. I am a big Devontae Smith fan. I just don't think he makes sense for the Bengals. I just don't think he's the right guy for the Bengals. I it I don't know. I'm really close, but if you if you called I I wouldn't argue somebody calling Devontae Smith the number one receiver in this draft. Like I I get the logic behind it, um, and I, I think I think he's a dude, um, and I'm not scared of his size uh, like some people are because I'm not. But anyway, uh, I I just don't think he makes a ton of sense. But I, I think those guys and the way they're they're used to playing and winning those jump balls, those back shoulders, which Joe Burrow is incredible at throwing, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, like because they have one of their higher performing things matches up so perfectly with something that Joe Burrow does so well. Like, I, I think that just makes it an, an incredible fit uh, for those guys at that spot. So with Pitts, you're getting that. And he's a pretty good blocker. Like, like the narrative is, is that he's not, he's pretty good. He's, he's <laughs> like, not bad. Um, and it, and maybe it could be better, you know, like it, like it might develop into more, because uh, he's he's a pretty big, strong dude. Like I don't know what is, nothing comes out on film really, like that shows his demeanor. Like is he a prick? I don't know. Um, that's the best thing that anybody that blocks can be. That by the way is a prick. Um, <laughs> like that's about the highest compliment you can give uh, alignment is is wow, dude, you're a prick. Some somebody said this about his blocking though. He loses slow. I feel like that works so perfectly. Okay, all right. Well, run fast behind him then. <laughs> yeah. Because like, he, he, he doesn't always sustain it, but like he doesn't lose immediately, which is it, like for what he is, that's all he kind of yeah. wants. That'll work. <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll work for now. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 that, that's my thought on, the, on that position. Um, and, then, yeah, I think we're, we're definitely on the same page there. So that gets us to Difa to back. And I, I, look, I think this is another group where you look at starters and you look at depth. And depth was the issue last year, which was largely because they lost a starter basically immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now they're looking at, uh, you know, potentially listening to another William Jackson. Um, so William Jackson. Uh, you know, heading into free agency. Now they've got Trey Waynes, who they was a very high prospect, somewhat disappointing in Minnesota, but okay. You know, maybe overpaid for him a little bit. Would have been very cool to see the two of those guys together, uh, but we may never, we're looking like we're never going to get that. And now you're looking at Trey, who's a bit unproven, and we've never seen play in this defense. Is your CB one? Um, Lashawn Sims is a free agent, so there's that. Oh damn! <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So is that? And then there's uh, Mackenzie Alexander, uh, 
I think he did a really good job at nickel. Uh, he's a free agent. Uh, people act like he's gone. I he's a he's a nickel. He's not going to cost that much. So I don't know why we act like he's gone. Um, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that that would be a good move to bring him back. And uh, you know, you get Darius Phillips. Uh, you know, is kind of the, the next guy in there. And I don't know. I just don't feel like Darius Phillips should be on the field all the time. I, no. I think he's a good spot starter. I think he's a I think he's a great CB four because I think he can play all cornerback positions. I just I don't want him to be my CB two though. Um, so yeah, like definitely need to address the depth. Definitely need to figure out you know who you're starting. Uh, what are your thoughts about corner? People love Phillips, I think, because whenever he is on the field, it's he usually does something pretty like that that the other cornerbacks don't. It's like make plays on the ball or like haul interceptions, like and and that's fine, but. The more that he's on the field, the more variant of a player that you see. And that's kind of what we saw towards the end of 2019 when he had like some interceptions, but also got burnt towards the yeah. end of the season, especially against Cleveland. So like yeah. if, if if Phillips is your starter, then you're going to get some some impact plays. And that's why like I kind of like advocated towards like, yeah, like he should be the starter opposite of William because like he's the best that they have and he, and he gives you ball production. But at the same time, they, like they kind of realize that the more that he's out there, the more mistakes that he makes because he's not really a starting caliber guy. And that's that's a very unfortunate situation now with William out the door because look at who they have left. It's Winston Rose and Tony Lewis Jr. Like for I, I don't know what to make of the Mackenzie Alexander thing. Like I, I it would make sense to bring him back because he's a good player. He's not going to cost them much. But for whatever reason, there's just there's apparently stuff about like him and the coaching staff like not seeing eye to eye, seeing eye to eye, which is I guess more or less what is being said about William. So it's just a lot of unknowns about like the relationships between some of these dbs and that and that part of the coaching staff and like but it's not like losing alexander is going to kill you there's going to be guys on the market it's going to be guys in the draft that can fill that spot it's really is about like trying to find someone other than darius phillips or finding someone that can kind of rotate into a darius phillips a little bit better than LeSean sims but that's not what you want obviously because we saw what happened with that last year and, and the struggles and the difficulties of that it just kind of seems like cornerback is almost going to be left out to dry when they're addressing everything else. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I don't know. Quarterback. Like I, I coached DBs by trade. Like that was what I, I spent a lot of my life doing and I studied it for a long time. And, um, you know, cornerback is kind of my specialty. Cornerbacks in the draft are really, really hard to predict. Cause I feel like everybody's looking for something different. I, I I feel like, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I feel, I feel like it, it's hard to tell where guys are going to go. Um, so uh, I don't know. Like I don't know if that's a, a spot where you can get somebody in the second round or not, who's going to be uh, the guy for you? Because um, I, you know, the, a lot of the big names we're talking about are going to go in round one. So. I, I I don't know. That's 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 a pretty big concern for me. Um, I would feel much better if they went out and you know found somebody else and spent a good amount of money on somebody, um, maybe somebody named William Jackson. But <laughs> like, um, yeah, I I I don't, I don't know. That, that's a big issue for me. I think like it was the pass rush, but it was also the CB two. And and you mentioned like that second Cleveland game, like that they almost won that second Cleveland game. Like they were up with like two minutes left 
Mackenzie Alexander missed the sack, even though he he was supposed to bring in Alexander and Waynes. Like that was like, hey, we, we're gonna have better tacklers. Um, yeah. He missed the sack, and and Phillips got burned two or three times on that drive. It was it was it was the same throw where Baker threw an interception to Phillips earlier in the game, right? Uh, and and then Baker just started hitting it, and it, and they were to nobody's too. They were it, like one of them was to the the guy that was supposed to only be a slot for Michigan, yeah, um, Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah, yeah, one of them was to him, and you know, like they like they weren't to like it, it, Odell left that game, I think. So like they, like it wasn't like they were the big damn guys, um, and yeah, and. They they weren't getting it, so definitely uh, definitely concern there. Uh, speaking of concern, Andrew Andrew uh, having concern for me. Andrew, do not have COVID. Appreciate the appreciate the love. Appreciate the concern there. Um, Massachusetts due to COVID, uh, the state of Massachusetts moved their high school football season from the fall to late spring uh or early spring so uh i i actually am uh, coaching high school football right now which is quite a bit of yelling and quite a bit of being outside in the cold so that's why i sound like this and um yeah so sorry for the poor sound quality of of recent podcasts uh with with my voice being in the kind of shape it's in you've been coaching no line right yeah i'm i'm coaching i'm 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 probably like the only guy in the world that coaches uh, i'm coaching dbs and o-line uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's a bit, uh, yeah, a bit crazy. I got, can, can I, you gotta, you gotta like go in with two completely different demeanors, like, right, like you're like two faced from, from Batman, just like switching gears mid practice. But, uh, but no, it's been, it's been great. It's been from, we had a, our first game, uh, week from, week from tomorrow on Friday. So, excited to get out there with those guys. But, um, let, let's talk about safety now. Uh, so that would be that, so that's the last spot we've got to go to, kind of rounding out the the defensive backfield here. Um, I mean, hey, a lot lot more to feel good about here, right? I mean, yeah. you, you got Bates. Uh, hopefully, a Bates extension is in the works. Um, I think you were actually talking about it uh, a couple of weeks ago on on Twitter that the Bengals generally uh, don't change the current contract the current year contract uh when it comes to extensions so they could give him an extension and it wouldn't necessarily hurt this year's cap uh if they did it that way so you know that that's a possibility and so extending baits doesn't mean you can't sign somebody else in free agency necessarily if you if you do it the right way um Travion Henderson man he, he's a he's a hanger on too huh I mean, yeah. that, that guy that guy knows how to stick around um, Sean Williams likely likely out the door, and I I I don't know maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Sean Williams can still do some things in this league. I I was oh he can absolutely contribute. It's just like you just felt like he could have had a bigger role this year, and then they just yeah. never really gave it to him. Yeah, I, I was a little bit surprised. I I never thought he was a great fit uh, for the defense, even though he's he's massive. I feel like he's just not he's not a glorified linebacker which is what no. Von Bell is and Von, Von Bell fit like that like a glove he was uh, always like a half shell type of guy and they run a lot of single high so. yeah 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 exactly so um so yeah I mean you know Bell ended up being a, a good fit for that I think there were some struggles early in the year but he kind of came into his own and, and really ended up being a great signing for them for you know they they got a pretty good deal on him and he was 
you know, they considered him a value signing and, uh, you know, just an opportunity thing. And that, I mean, what? Sue Filo was hurt. Reader was hurt. Trey Waynes was hurt. I mean, Mackenzie Alexander was pretty good. Like, but Von Bell might have been your, your best sign last oh, year. 100%. <laughs> like, uh, that's pretty crazy to think about. It's a bit unfortunate. But, um, Yes, I mean that, that was a that was a solid pickup, and uh, you know you're looking at Sean Williams being gone, and you're looking at Brandon Wilson, you know, being the the big name. You're looking to you know whether or not you're going to bring back there. Um, definitely, definitely could use some depth there, you know, and, and that's definitely an area where we can get some special teams help. Uh, I, think, I think Henderson's had some roles on special teams in the past, so uh, that's He's never really been healthy like at all. Seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely struggled to stay on the field, but um, I mean, it seems like he's had some roles in that like area. And that's I don't know. I think that, right. I feel like that's why he kind of stuck around what he did. Um, but yeah, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on the safety position? Yeah, with Henderson, like b- because there was no preseason last year, we haven't like seen him play since 2019, which mm-hmm. is probably like the last time in preseason. So like, I'm sure he'll just stick around for the off season. But with Bates and Bell, like that's it's clearly your strongest position group. Um, and if if you bring back Wilson, you just place him behind Bell, who, like, I don't know, like Wilson. I remember when he came out, like I thought, like this this dude's kind of like a running back. He like made made a lot of plays with the ball in his hand, and then he had a lot of turnovers and touchdowns. He, yeah, and he was a running back in Houston, and like I think yeah. when they drafted him, I think on ESPN they announced him as a running back, and then the right. no, no, he's a safety. And, and, and then, like, he started off as, like, a deep safety, and then they kind of moved him into more of an, like, almost an overhang, like, slot defender. But then he just ended up being, like, the, the guy to back up Von Bell at strong safety whenever he was on defense. So, yeah, you just bring him back, and he's not going to cost that much. And then you got your four leading up to the draft. I'm sure they would consider taking a guy on day three to be, like, more of a long-term backup to Bates or, you know, God forbid, insurance. Like, I think... They are 100 percent going to get something done with Bates. Like you mentioned, the contract structure. Like that's what they did with last year with Joe Mixon because I think they knew there were going to there was going to be some salary cap implications. Mm-hmm. Um, like they didn't really they didn't give him a year one roster bonus. They didn't up his base salary. I think that's more or less going to be what happens with Bates. Like like no no team like around the league right now. Like you're seeing all these void years. You know you're pushing signing bonus prorations in, into years that don't exist on the contract. Like I think that might be what happens with Bates. Like they won't give him a, a ton of uh, a high base salary or roster bonus with the extension, but they're going to put push his higher salary years into the future when the cap goes up because, like, they have to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting the way they structure those things, and yeah, it's a good way to account for these younger guys that you need to take care of, even though you know it, it, it's tough to do that financially with that stuff right now. Um, And Bates, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like he's the dude. And once some things come together, you know, they start to get a little bit more pressure to his ball hawking style, kind of where he, you know where he's at, where he aligns, and everything like that. I mean, there's just going to be more opportunities for him, and hopefully, he'll finally get the respect he deserves in the league. Because uh, yeah, he is he, he's the guy. He's definitely he's, the guy. He didn't start him, man. He's only 24. Like that's rare. That is insane. A young. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's crazy to think of that he's that young. So, all right. So, uh, look, let's kind of wrap this thing up. And look, I think we know, we know we need O line. You know, we've established we need D line. Receivers a need. 
But let's talk about like those secondary depth rotational type needs. Like what are the, what do you think are the less obvious needs, you know, where you're not necessarily a starter, but you're going to play a key role. Well, I, I think you can throw a cornerback in there, like with wide receiver as a guy that like they just, they yes, need another absolutely. body. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and they need depth. It's like, if they didn't need so much O-line D line, like you would look at cornerback and say, this is a glaring ass need, like bolded with red. Um, yeah. it, just in depth though. Like they need depth at, at edge. They need, they could use depth at safety. Um, I, I guess, I guess you're fine at linebacker. You could use another body there, but like, and they're fine at running back. You know, you wouldn't mind bringing back Pirine, but yeah, like, yeah, I mean, but like, their needs are, are big needs, and they're mm-hmm. unfortunately like really important needs that if you don't have, you're it's really hard to be a good football team, which kind of explains um, two consecutive last place finishes. Yeah, definitely, and and I mean, we, yeah, we see the huge need for depth at, at DB. I, I think I think corner is a position that I would not be surprised if it was similar to last year at linebacker. Like, I don't know if they're going to draft three, but you know, definitely a couple of guys. You know, maybe one one in the mid and one in the late uh, part of the draft. Um, at that position, I, I I think they could really use that to build up. And, and yeah, I mean, definitely all over on the D line, um, for sure. I, with, um, really interior and exterior pass rushers and you're looking at who are they going to bring back? Hopefully Mike Daniels, but you're still not getting that much out of, out of him from a a pass rush standpoint, but man, is he fun? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's definitely going to run around. Uh, but, um, yeah, so we look at like the Von Bell thing we talked about. Um, we kind of we really touched on this with tight end. Like tight end, you're fine at tight end, but piss, you know what I mean. Um, and some people have talked about Zach Ertz. You know, <laughs> you know, like it. What are what other types of spots are there where you think maybe you don't need a guy, but an upgrade, you know, if you get an upgrade for the right price or somebody falling into your lap in the draft or something like that, um, it could have a major impact. I think center is a good spot. Like, I think you're fine if Hopkins is healthy, but if, like, you mentioned Dickerson, like, if, if you get him and he just wows you in camp if he's healthy, like, that, that's something to consider. I think there's, and Corey Lindsley is available on the market. Um, if you work out a deal with him, like that's obvious, that's that's an upgrade. Um, uh, uh, Matt Ryder from the Chiefs is also going to be available. Like, like there are quietly some some guys that could give you an upgrade over Hopkins, and and you don't you don't, again you don't like need it like not more than guard or tackle, but like if the opportunity comes and you kind of whiff on some other things, like it's it's an opportunity, right? And there's yeah. along with Dickerson, there's I think one or two other guys. In the draft, that could that could potentially do that, but yeah, like I'm a big it, Creed Humphrey guy, Creed Humphrey, yeah, yeah. With, with guard versatility there too. So, like, there's there's options, and it, I, I just I just hate that Hopkins like injured in just the most pointless game, like in uh, the last game of the season, and it just takes him out of potentially the beginning of the season because he he he, he really is a solid dude, and we've talked yeah. about this before. Like, once they get pieces around him, he's going to look a lot better than what he looks like right now. 
and yeah, and it's so great too. Like, I think we, I think you might have counted up like all the contracts he's had because, like, when you go to the practice squad and back, like you're signing a new contract, and then like they, and they cut him so many times, and like, mm-hmm. like, like if you if you look him up on over the cap, it's just like stupid. You're like, how old is this guy? Uh, <laughs> but like they like the guy fought for so long, and then you know he, he stuck around and he finally made it, and like yeah, it's like it's like a great story, and you want it. Um, but to completely be freaking Ebenezer Scrooge here and pull the rug out from under things with that, you look at the that that position, and you could say, well, if if the Bengals get a you know get a Pan A and, and another guard, and then you know maybe they maybe they draft a Dixon or a Creed or somebody like that, like it could be a situation where maybe maybe he's a guard. You know, hmm. but maybe the, the you know, assuming maybe the guy you draft, um, you know, you're working him in a guard, you're training him at guard, but then maybe he's pushing out Trey, and then that's you're getting a little better on the offensive line once your offensive line is in a position where it should have been all along, where Trey's like your fourth or fifth fifth guy, uh, you know, then all of a sudden you're starting to starting to push him with another guy's similar situation to what what happened in Detroit with Frank Regnow, you know, coming in at guard and eventually, right. you know, pushing that out. So um, that would be an interesting thing to, to see take place. Although, like I said, we love Trey. Uh, Want to see Trey succeed, but you always have to be thinking about getting better. So that would be um, an interesting move as well. Any crazy predictions? <sighs> crazy predictions? I, a, a bold, crazy one would be like the more expensive signing is on defensive line, just because like they mm-hmm. can still get quality, like a quality guard or a tackle for a little bit less. But I do think, especially if they don't bring back Lawson, if, if Lawson ends up leaving, like there's going to be urgency there. There's a hundred percent. Yes, that is interesting. I, I mean, it, yeah, it's also crazy too because it's like. I don't know, like if they make a major signing on defense. Is that? I mean, they they made some big signings on defense last year, but it, like, does that double down on maybe the league isn't as low on Luana Romo as we are? Like, I don't. Know, do you, I mean, money talks, but yeah, like with with the way we talk about in a rumor around here, sometimes like, do you, do you think you guys could be like? Yeah, I want to spend my my prime of my career in that in that defense. If if they don't have you know some kind of feeling that, that things are right there, yeah. Like I mean, the the, the grievances that we've heard of is, were just guys that that weren't brought in by him and but just ended up not being fits. Now we can say about who Anarumu is and how effective he is as a play caller, but like we we heard nothing about the guys that he did, they, that he did bring in and. And be, they brought them in because they felt like they would be good fits, and for the most part, like those guys have fit in and gelled. And uh, I'm sure if they offered a bag to a defensive lineman or two, it would be a guy that they would target for a good reason. And like I think that that would be fine. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at about an hour and a half on this thing, um, so I think we should uh, we should probably wrap it up. But yeah, I think you know definitely some good conversation, good things to think about as we are. Um, about a week away from the, the kickoff of a free agency and, you know, only a few days really away from tampering. 
yeah. the legal tampering period. So we're gonna we're gonna see some action on this stuff. We're gonna we're gonna see some some movement come in pretty quickly. And you know, last year the Bengals spent a lot of money. Um, they've got money, and people other teams really don't. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of a lot of guys opening up. A lot of guys getting out there. You know, the fact that the market is um, becoming saturated because of these cuts. You know, that's probably going to drive some of these prices down. Like maybe they can do a little bit more than we thought for that reason. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how all this shakes down and, you know, what what they're doing here to to take the next step forward as we go into year two with Joe Burrow, year three with Zach Taylor and company. So, all right. Any final thoughts? Nah, man, this was, this was good. This was long-winded but i mean that's that's kind of how these things go there's a lot there's a lot to discuss and there's gonna be a lot to discuss in the coming weeks all right well definitely uh uh yeah definitely lots of lots to discuss and keep to the channel keep checking it out um you know i'll be putting out some content john uh always always putting out great content uh you know along with uh with his co-host on on his show uh, anthony uh so make sure you're checking that stuff out we'll we'll have some some good guests and some uh, good uh, preparation for the draft in the in the coming weeks here, um, and uh, we'll bring you right up to right up to draft night. We'll have some some good stuff that whole weekend. So keep it tuned into Sensi Jungle. Good day. Yeah, we coming for